The truth is we have an opportunity now as a reboot, as a restart, to now okay. re-identify your nursing home as we've learned from this virus, we've applied new skill sets, we've created a new program, but but in that program, we're going to produce results and we're not going to unnecessarily send patients back to the hospital. Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Okay, and we are live. We are live on LinkedIn primarily, but also you can find us on Facebook and even on YouTube. So we're back for another live recording of the Nursing Home Podcast. And today we're going to discuss something that is a pain point. Um, I can speak from personal experience. I'm sure some of our listeners can relate to this as well. A nursing home thrives and survives, especially today on their short-term Medicare patients who are coming from the hospital after an acute stay. They're coming to the nursing home. They're going to get rehabbed in talking industry term, meaning that they're going to get some therapy. They're going to get stronger, better, um, and they're going to be sent back to whatever their communal setting was. Challenge that we have many times is that they sometimes, a lot of times, you know, they have more than one thing that's wrong with them and they can have breathing challenges. Breathing challenges, I'm talking non-clinical on purpose, uh, but breathing challenges is going to, they become acute very quickly. And a nursing home that worked really hard to get an admission or to get that referral and they built up that relationship and they rented equipment and set everything up and then only to find out the next morning that the person was sent out because there were some breathing complications, and that doesn't have to happen. So today on the show, as you may see already, we have Eric Harder. So Eric is the CEO of Rapid CPAP. Rapid CPAP is a full-service respiratory company serving nursing homes, hospice companies, medical supplies companies that don't do respiratory. We specialize, they specialize, in stopping unnecessary readmissions back to the hospital. So today, Eric is an authority to discuss this very topic. So Eric, first, um, welcome. First of all, thank you. Thank you for coming and welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I look forward to chatting with you today. Yeah, likewise. So let's first ju- let's jump right in here. Describe the problem as you see it for hospital readmissions or unnecessary hospital readmissions. Yeah, so like you talked about, you I know that you uh, are an administrator, have been an administrator, maybe you're on hiatus, but um, but I've I've listened to the pains of people in your position, directors of nursing, uh, business folks that they have worked really hard to differentiate their building as somebody that can take care of these patients from their referral sources, and you know you're in essence, begging and pleading and saying, listen, what we've done, we've, we've, we've made improvements, we've uh, educated, we've done so many things. And, you know, you haven't, we haven't received a referral for 
some time. Please give us this patient, this, this complex patient. I assure you, I assure you we'll take care of them. And then the administrator goes home and they're tossing and turning through the night, maybe thinking, boy, I hope Mrs. Jones did okay. And, you know, I can't wait to see what happened in the morning. And then you get into the building, you have your cup of coffee and you go into your office and you see you have a message on the answering machine. I'm kind of dating myself. I don't know if we have answering machines anymore. Whatever. You get an email with, with the email, message, right? An email, right, right. So, or you get up in the morning, you check in. The first thing is, hey, Mrs. Jones went back to the hospital for shortness of breath. And unfortunately, she was only there for six hours. And you get the referral uh, center calling saying, what happened? Why did this happen again? And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to send my patient to somewhere else. So that's that's like a conversation that I've had many, many times. And that's a there's a lot of pain there. So I totally understand um, from an administrator standpoint, like, that pain and and trying to not to want to have that happen. Okay, fine, very very fair point. And like you said, you know, let's call a spade a spade. The nursing homes, especially now, unfortunately, um, you know, the, one of the biggest challenges that nursing homes have right now is census. Unfortunately, COVID decreased the census dramatically in many many facilities, and not only that, they're not getting uh, refilled, if you will because many people are either opting not to do uh, elective surgeries um, or th or the hospitals are not allowing them um, to do elective surgeries. So the census is still down. So what's going to happen is we have to build programs. Now, that's something that that vague term used to always bother me. Like we're making a program. What does making a program mean? And do you really think the hospital case managers are dumb enough to fall for another thing, which means that we have another doctor on staff that technically has a specialty in whatever area. Bottom yeah. line is, like you described, they want results. We send you a complicated yeah. patient. You deal with them. You keep them. You hold them. We don't want to yeah. see them back here uh, You know, w within a few hours or days even. Mm -hmm. if we want you to really, really care for them. So the problem is that they're going to have an issue with their breathing, have some respiratory complication. Now, when someone's shortness of breath, what can a nursing home actually do? I mean, that's a real problem. Uh, yep. Nurses can go crazy from that, right? And rightfully so. I mean, it's, it's a serious issue. What yep. type of interventions are there that a nursing home can do to avoid this? And how can it be practically implemented 24-7? Sure. So really, the and, and I don't want to oversimplify, but the truth is there's really three things that you can do. First of all, you have to know who you're getting, right? You have to you have really identify who it is that you're taking because we all know that the the report from or the liaison gets a report to the now the nurse taking care of the patient in med surge at the hospital is now giving a report to the nursing home nurse and mm -hmm. then we end up taking the patient and then whoever comes to the the nursing home is very very different than than the report that we got so so with that no matter what they show up your door now you really have to take care of them whether they're more stable or less stable. So yeah, now let me just tell you that you're sugarcoating that part of the problem. And that's not limited to people with breathing issues. You know, this person is morbidly obese at 390 pounds and they end up being 590 pounds. Now that's right. when real challenges start happening. But yeah, okay, right. but so your point is well taken. Yeah. It may be more complex. Assume yeah. that the patient may be more complex than what yep. you thought. And if you could just barely manage, it might not be the best fit. But go on. Correct. 
Yeah, yeah. So identifying who it is now that you have. Now it's game time and it's you have to identify who it is that you have in your building and what you're going to do for them. And really, the second step is to be able to treat them. So they're going to have they're, you're going to have obstacles. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to have to overcome those things. And so what do, for example, that breathing patient that you're talking about, somebody becomes mm-hmm. short of breath and breath and they call, you know, you have, un, let's call a spade a spade. Like you said, unfortunately, we have an agency nurse that now is 11 to seven. This is the first time she's walked into your building and now she has the complex patient. We don't know how that happened. Of course, the administrator director of nursing wouldn't ever want that to happen ever. But guess what? It happened. And so now we we are in this situation. And so uh, the agency nurse has the patient. She's doing her rounds. And, and listen, the, the, the nurses have a, t- a tough job. I mean, they have a cart full of meds. They got a ton of patients. They got to get this. This is primary care. The CNAs have to do the primary care. And so but that doesn't leave any necessarily time to to care for the patient that's short of breath. And so the patient that becomes short of breath uh-oh, short of breath, huffing and puffing, CNA comes, tells the, the LPN, LPN gets on the phone, doesn't know the doctor, doesn't know the building, calls and says, what's going on? Uh, patient's short of breath, and I'm short of breath, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> and the CNA's short of breath, and the nursing home administrator will shortly be short of breath. So so then we, ha- then we decide, well, the doctor, it's two o'clock in the morning, and he says, well, short of breath, we can't get a saturation, there's huffing and puffing, send them out, send them out. So what are they going to, the question is, what are they going to do in the hospital, right? Okay, awesome, yes. Yeah, so what are they going to do and why can't we do it in the nursing home? So they're going to give oxygen, we have oxygen in the nursing homes, they're going to give breathing treatments, most likely, nebulizer treatment, throw them on a nebulizer treatment, we can do that in the nursing facility. We're going to most likely, let's say it's a COPD patient or a patient, what have you, long-term lung patient, we're going to probably put them on BiPAP, right? So we're going to put them on BiPAP. We're going to give them positive pressure ventilation. We're most likely going to give them steroids. We're most likely going, if they're now in some sort of CHF, we're probably going to give them a bit of, a bit of Lasix. And then we're going to monitor them, with heart rate and saturation continuously. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to monitor them. And we're going to probably admit them for most likely a three to five day stay. Why can't we do that in the nursing facility? Well, I have staffing problems. Well, I have, you know, the DON doesn't want to get on board with this. Or we have, uh, you know, a problem with this type of, you know, nobody wants to provide this type of care. You were going to ask a question? Yes, um, I am going to ask a question. Um, so first of all, I'm getting from one of the comments. Um, uh, Frida Sarusik, she actually has a company that does telemedicine. I listened to your podcast. It was fantastic. You guys. Yeah, that's right. So, so you probably yeah, I was that. really impressed. Yeah. I actually so messaged. She, sent a message. I was. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so one thing that she's pointing out is that you need to have telemedicine. If you can have the doctor um, actually listening to lung sounds at two o'clock in the morning and they're not being woken up at two o'clock in the morning, but instead they're on call and they're waiting and they're fielding calls all night because that's their shift. Yep. That's a different type of conversation. Then yeah. if you're waking up the on-call doctor, well, all they hear is like you said before accurately that the nurse is out of breath because you know they're panicking. Yes. That's certainly true. But getting back to what you said, let, let's just if you if you don't mind, um, no offense to any of the listeners, but maybe just for me, let's dumb it down a little bit. Yep. So so the question I, I like the way you framed the question. The question, the way you framed it is 
we're in the nursing home, the shortness of breath, the hospital's not magic. You know, we think, oh, go to the hospital, everything's going to be okay. The hospital, there's nurses there, there's doctors there, there's equipment there. Might be a little fancier. They might have uh, deeper pockets than the nursing homes do. But essentially, they do. They do. <laughs> they do. But at the same time, we can do stuff too in the, in the nursing home. So oxygen, everybody gets, right? Oxygen is air and you apply it to the resident and they breathe better when they have, you know, direct oxygen, high flow, low flow, different things. But besides for that, um, LASIK. So can you just define some of these terms? There's LASIK, CPAP. Yeah, so somebody that has a little bit of CHAP, uh, uh, you know, their, their heart's not uh, working properly, which mm -hmm. is a common occurrence in the nursing facilities. You take CHF patients, COPD patients, mm -hmm. and, and that, you know, you listen to them and they have what's called rails, right? And so a common, it's a fluid retention issue. And so you, you, you give them some medication to eliminate some of that fluid because the fluid accumulates in the lung and then they become short of breath. So that's something that's very, very common. I, as you know, the nursing homes today, and especially with PDPM now, are the community hospitals of yesteryear. So if, if you're trying to stick to, and you know, the virus has been absolutely devastating, right? But the truth is we have an opportunity now as a reboot, as a restart to now okay. re-identify your nursing home as we've learned from this virus, we've applied new skill sets, we've created a new program, but, but in that program, we're going to produce results and we're not going to unnecessarily send patients back to the hospital. So it's a great time for a new opportunity. I yeah. Think. So hold on. So this is this is like the elephant in the room that we haven't addressed, maybe purposely because everyone else is just it's oversaturated with content. But the truth is, right? We know that specifically with COVID, right? Breathing has been a serious issue, and at the forefront. And we've discussed this in other episodes how sometimes people's uh, O2 levels are going down to the point where. Um, the patient wasn't aware, which is one of the challenges with COVID. And they, they have numbers, you know, in the 80s and they're still talking fine. And then before you know it, they're on a ventilator. Yep. But what you're saying is something very, you're saying something very simple. Um, we've, I've been discussing with other clients internally and other people within the industry. Uh, census is a huge challenge now, right? And like we mentioned earlier in this episode, it's also a huge opportunity, right? If your census is lower, your nurses maybe have some extra time on their hands. Yes, staffing is a challenge. So you're not going to have extra nurses just sitting around. But use it. it's never going to be calm, right? It's a nursing home. It's the medical sure. field, right? This is, this is, like you said, it's the next thing after the acute care setting is the community hospital of today. So I mean, the, the community hospital of yesterday, the nursing home of today. But the point is, use the opportunity to reboot, re-identify yourself right this is true yeah. in every business right every business that took a hit from covid which is pretty much every business it's an opportunity to say okay this is what i was pre-covid when covid came i did x and now i'm y and i'm rocking it so we want this is, this is awesome so right now is a is a it's a unique time it's a unique opportunity so if you're a nursing home operator let me talk directly to you if you're a director of nurses, if you're an administrator, a regional director of operations, whoever you are, and you're like every day pulling out your hair because your census is, your revenue is not where it should be and you're losing money and everyone knows the reasons and we know COVID and we know that there's less people in the hospitals, there's less patients. That's great, but that's not going to help uh, boost your census unless you do something about it. And this is a real solid concrete thing you can do. You can designate yourself and stick out as a specialist 
in breathing here. I'm purposely keeping it simple. Then, yeah. especially in the world of COVID, people are the case managers are going to be if if it's true, if it's genuine, if you have the support and you have the training and it's real, it's not just lip service. You can really distinguish yourself. I just got excited when you said that. So, so, yeah. but now, so on a nursing home level, how would this happen practically? So, you know, you have to educate the staff. You have to have a program. You have to be able to um, just simply identify, treat, and prepare. You have to get buy-in. But it's it's not a here's the thing. And I, you know, I've worked in and around nursing facilities and hospices and hospitals forever. And anybody, listen. We're going to have an in-service. It's going to be on nebulizers or it's going to be on right. the new fandangled device, you know, NIOV, Aerovo, Trilogy, which we have all these high-tech devices. First of all, I've been to these in-services. You just worked an eight or 10 or 12 or whatever hour shift or even for the night shift, even worse. We have lots of it. We do hundreds and hundreds of in-services every year. And you got somebody who just worked an eight-hour shift and now they got to stick around for another hour for an in-service. So it cannot be done in a onesies twosies type of thing it 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 it, it, it never happens but yet we continue to do this over and over and over again you have to have full buy-in from a nursing facility and you have to be able to track your outcomes first of all nobody's gonna nobody's gonna buy into it if you can't actually prove that you're going to decrease the readmissions and you have Mm -hmm. to be able to track and say okay well we track everything and we make sure. So we take your, you know, I'm just saying in general, whatever program it is, wherever it is in the nation, don't necessarily have to use us, but anybody that buys into a program that says, we're going to be very intentional in terms of treating our patients in-house and we're gonna do A through Z and we're gonna learn this program and we're gonna document the program and we're gonna measure the outcomes. It's, it's so it, it, you have to have a, a full buy-in of of the program. Uh, it can't be done in a onesies twosies type of way. Um, yeah, so that that that's that's something that that absolutely has to be done. Yeah, I mean, there there are two components to what you said. I mean, one of them is the simple thing, and that is one of them is the simple thing of simply making an in-service that actually people care to be at, right? So meaning that it has if it has to, you have to you know be aware of what the of the situation where the staff is when they're there like did they just finish a uh, uh, like eight hour shift or a double yeah. and now they're staying for another hour for something that they really don't care about um and, and how engaging is the in-service how practical is it and also have they been in-serviced on a thousand other tools devices and programs that never yeah. went anywhere so they're tuned off and then the yeah. other thing is like you said are they bought into the mission why are we introducing this program into the nursing home? Why is this important for us to have this in the nursing home? How is this going to affect our lives? Now, if they understand that, and they understand that what we're doing is that we are going to decrease those readmissions. And from a nurse's standpoint, you're not going to have to panic at 2 o'clock in the morning because we have a whole, a whole slew of things to do. And the nurse knows that in addition to the tension and stress of the patient who's right now struggling to breathe, there's also the stress that tomorrow morning she's going to get it from the director of nurses or the administrator, yeah. hopefully, and say, like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? She's, she's also thinking, let me make sure that there's nothing else I could have done. But now we're giving them all the tools, giving them yeah. all the support. This is what you need to do. This is what you can do. This is what's available. That that's a way that we can you can really start implementing it in a way in a way that actually works. Yeah, absolutely. And, and at the end of the day, it's just, I mean, 
not to sound overly simple, but it's providing better care for the patients. Like, who, you know, like everybody's had loved ones that, or, or we've cared for these patients for long enough and we've built relationships with these people that just being at that stage in your life. And then the family, you, 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 the family gets a phone call. Hey, we had to send mom out to, to the hospital. Oh, what happened? Six, we were just at the hospital for the last three days and we sent it to nurse. Now she's back in the, you know, and then the patient standpoint, I mean, they're, they, mm-hmm. these, these are in many cases, the long-term diseases these are their homes. So it, 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 it's disruptive and it's not a way to spend your final years. It's, it's just not. So, you know, the, you know, going back to the education component of it, we find the best way to do it is to do gentle reminders, we call them, right? So if we have, you know, the in-service aside, so if there's an issue with a patient, let's say that that um, you have a program, you have a person, you have, we like to call them detectives that are going around looking for patients on day two versus day five when you have to send them out. So if mm-hmm. I go in, let's say I go in, and technically I am a respiratory therapist, so I've done this many times, and you have to walk a gentle line. You have to be compassionate. You have to understand the nurse what's going on with them at the time. But if you go in and you find that the that the, the oxygen is put in in the wrong level, if I had a dollar bill for every time I went into a patient's room and found the what they call the oxygen adapter at the wrong spot, it should go here and it's down here, hey, you know, Linda, let me grab you real quick. Just a real quick, gentle reminder. Let me show you this real quick. Actually, though, two needs to go up here and now you'll see the saturation increase. Oh, thanks for telling me, you know, thanks for telling me. And if you do that in a non-threatening way, because nobody wants that. You got a letter from so-and-so, go and see the director of nursing. You did it again. If you can encourage folks versus just berate them, it's going to add to the care. It's going to decrease the readmissions by a significant amount. So that's that's really important, making sure that you are um, educating one by one by one, not just corporately. Because I'll, I'll throw in-service out in five minutes because, you know, again, you're, nobody's listening to think about picking up their kids or thinking about, you know, what are they going to have for dinner? What is it? But if you can do it one by one and kind of act like, hey, it's between you and I type of wink, wink, nod, nod, but they get the mm-hmm. education nonetheless. You still have to do all of those things. And, and there are times definitely where, somebody has to be held accountable for the, for the errors and omissions that they've made as well. So Mm -hmm. that's part of the, you know, part of the process. Yeah, but it's all about, you know, developing that relationship. And this is not limited to respiratory therapy care. And this has to do with any time you want anyone to do anything. It has to do with kids, it has to do with community members, colleagues, even bosses. But it's really fostering a relationship based on clear, uh, a clear structure, clear guidelines. Um, yep. And like you said, the gentle reminders, I like that. Hey, you just yeah, walk by. And it's easier after, you know, it's like, it's like anything. I could still remember, you know, my first ventilator patient and, you know, our first code or whatever it was. And I was worse off than the patient, you know, and I was sweating and the whole thing. But after that, hey, we did it and it went well, or I need to learn this thing or whatever it is. You build confidence if you're identifying, if you're, you know, who's at risk of going back to the hospital and taking steps to treat them in house and then preparing them is the other part, preparing them to go home. Like that whole transition from hospital to home 
that the home part can't be forgotten either. What are the barriers? What So, you know, you need to have a, a pre-discharge education program. You need to be able to vet them to make sure that they're not going to have any barriers at home. You need to make sure that they're educated as to, is there a change in their disease process now? Are they bought into to to making those changes? Are you know so and then and then you know there's even some of our facilities and 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 other facilities are making they're they're doing home programs where they're calling, making home visits. We even have we have a, a respiratory telehealth program. There's other telehealth programs. I mean, telehealth is the thing now, but mm -hmm. but just like even um, talking about having a hospitalist on a telehealth call. Well, I find that that because we're in such a niche, respiratory is such a niche, there's so many different types of machines out there that no offense, the hospitalist is not going to be familiar with 95% with of those machines. So if you can have a respiratory therapist, telehealth in, look at the machine, look at the patient and say, oh, like I said, the oxygen adapter is in the wrong place. And oh, guess what? They're in the low 80s and now they're up to 93%. We wow. just avoided that. We just avoided wow. that patient going wow. out, and 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 even the cost. Even let's say you have, let's say you identify a nurse or a company or whatever it is that you're going to have them be the respiratory detective, and you're going to have them identify, treat, and prepare these patients to go home. The cost of 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 that person, even take that person at their whole salary, one patient that goes back to the hospital for a five day or six day stay mm -hmm. is offset. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a zero sum cost. And we're talking about if you can do more than one patient, which is not that hard to not have patients go back to the hospital. If you're being very intentional about it, there's no cost. There's no cost whatsoever. Wow. Wow. I, I get excited about it because we've seen such great results. And I, I, I just, am, you should, you should, you have, but let, let's focus uh, on this part of the conversation. Cause we spoke mostly about, you know, the transition from the hospital to the nursing home. But from the nursing home to the community is, in general, you know, that's another point of potential failure. Um, so let's talk about what exactly that means for someone who has a respiratory challenge. So assuming yeah. you did a fantastic job, uh, what yeah. does the worst case scenario look like? Yeah. So the, here's the worst case scenario. So we all, this is what happens 99% of the time. Oh, Patient is at home on no BiPAP or CPAP. They go to the hospital for breathing issues or heart issues. They end up on BiPAP, right? That's the two pressures, the high pressure in, the low pressure out. But you, you're familiar with the difference between BiPAP and C BiPAP's two pressure, CPAP's one pressure. Anyways, they get put on BiPAP in the hospital. Then the nursing home's like, well, they're on BiPAP or they're on CPAP or one or the other, but they're on something. And so then we put them on, let's say we put them on BiPAP in the nursing home. Well, now... You, you have to have a home sleep test or send them to a sleep lab in order to qualify them or disqualify them. So now we're stuck, right? We're stuck in the nursing home and we have to get them qualified and we have to work with a home care company. Hopefully they pick up the phone. Hopefully they call us back, uh, but they're going to need a home sleep test to be able to diagnose that patient. Do they have obstructive sleep apnea? Now, many times they don't. Uh, because they just got put on it for a short time. Mm -hmm. So we, we get ready to discharge them home, but now we, we have them on BiPAP, but we can't get them home. And so the, the, the home care company can't get a BiPAP out to them because they have to send them out to a sleep lab mm -hmm. or they, you know, it's going to take a three week time frame in order for them to get set up on BiPAP, two weeks, what have you. And so that's a major problem because if they actually need BiPAP, 
BiPAP decreases carbon dioxide. So if you're constantly, so if we go, we tune them up in the nursing facility, we're ready to, they're ready to conquer the world. We get them home. Now, every day they're not on BiPAP, their, their carbon dioxide levels are raising up and raising up and raising up. And that's a ticking time bomb. They're certainly not going to last. They're certainly going to go back to the hospital and they're certainly going to do that inside 30 days. So we have to make sure that, I mean, they're, they're, there's devices out there, there's companies out there, there's programs out there. You can do home sleep testing in the nursing facilities and get that back within a couple of days. It's not hard. And so, you know, you can get, hey, this patient does have obstructive sleep apnea. And so us, for example, we'll work with the home care company and get over the home sleep test to them. Now we can qualify them. Now the discharge planner can can get them the, the PAP that they need. And, and that's a big thing to overcome. Same thing with oxygen. Patient goes to the hospital, never been on oxygen a day in their life. Now they're on oxygen in the nursing facility and we can't or we won't get them off. And we have to do we have to qualify them with like a six minute walk test or we have to figure out, do they actually desaturate to a point that they qualify via Medicare guidelines? Are they going to be able to uh, get the oxygen at home and, and just that transition and making sure that there are no barriers? So it's a simple things. It's the things that we do over and over and over and over again, but making sure those I's are dotted and T's are crossed. So that's really, really important. Amazing. 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 I just see that we're coming closer to the end of this uh, episode. So first of all, thank you for sharing what you've already shared um, with your inside knowledge um, and actual hands-on experience dealing with this problem head on every single day over uh, the transition from the hospital to the nursing home, from the nursing home to the home care company. Uh, just before we let you go, can you tell us a little bit about how your company specifically uh, works with the skilled nursing facilities. And then before we let you go, you'll tell us how people can learn more about you and your company. Sure, sure. So um, you can learn more about me. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, we have a rapid CPAP. Uh, we have a Facebook just say, account. Uh, we're on LinkedIn for those who are listening. So it's at Eric Harder. Just put your yes. name in, E-R-I-C-H-A-R-T-E-R, -E and they'll find you on LinkedIn. Okay, where else? We also have a rapid CPAP page on LinkedIn. We also have a rapid CPAP page on Facebook. And we also have a web address, www. I don't, I heard you don't have to say www. It's just <laughs> rapid. I'm real good at the computer. Well, we, uh, <laughs> it's rapidcpap.com. Um, okay. So, so what have we done? Yeah. So at the end of the day, I can sit here and tell you how fantastic we are all all day and obviously i love this what we do and i'm it's a passion yeah, for but let's talk specifically how how do you support a nursing home going through yeah. this challenge of managing someone with these types of complications what do we do specifically mm -hmm. so so we have all of these programs and we send respiratory therapists in to do all these things and so we measure every outcome we look at every new admit we we are literally we're detectives at the door going through and just burying our heads in the chart, looking at the patient, doing bedside spirometry, evaluating them, uh, decide working very closely with the nurse practitioners and the doctors to have a very cohesive relationship, writing recommendations. We don't write orders. We're not doctors. Uh, we're not nurses. We write recommendations for care. And 99% of the time, those recommendations are taken. Then we take that data and, um, and we measure the outcomes. And thankfully, you know, the average nursing facility can be upwards of 20% for respiratory readmissions. We run around 2%. 
So the wow. amount of revenue that that saved is tremendous. And, and so folks in the administrator position seem to like that. Well, say, so, say those numbers one more time. 20%, I've seen much higher readmission numbers. And, and we are running at around 2%. 2%. So, so when you the, say 2%, 2% means 2% total readmissions or readmissions with a cardiopulmonary diagnosis. Majority of the patients that are going back, right? So shortness yeah. of breath is, is one of the major things. So wow. yeah, we've had great success with that. And it's been it's been a real fun journey. Um I think part of it, I don't mean to take any credit away from your company, but for I, I I'm just speaking from a nursing home standpoint. Uh, nursing home operators, uh, administrators for sure, and directors of nurses many times are in a constant state of being overwhelmed and overtaxing the extremely limited resources that they have to begin with. And I see you nodding because you know that when you come in, you're like uh, you're probably welcomed with open arms because just having additional resources to tackle the problem. You know, if you have, if you if, you, if we're able to pay a nurse full time, um, and just to focus on this problem, we would be able to make some progress, not as much as having an outside company that specializes in just this and has respiratory therapists and everything that you guys do. But even that would be something. So partnering up with, with your company, it should be, you know, and working together in order to manage uh, these types of diagnosis, decrease those readmissions, you know, should be something that's really welcome. So yeah. and. Thank you, Eric, for coming on the Nursing Home Podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's been a real joy. I appreciate spending time with you. Okay. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on as well. Uh, remember, you can check out Eric's profile. So it's Eric Harder. You just put that in the search box in LinkedIn. Could go to rapidcpap.com. You don't need to put in the www. Google will automatically figure that out. <laughs> it's amazing. It's unbelievable. Whenever someone says, like, I'm not good at the computer, it's like... The That's when you know. Computer. That's when you know. Yes. They yeah, it's like the right guy. I'm really not good at the computer, which that is computer, on the desk yeah. over there. Dating myself. Yes, sir. Um, so, Eric, before we let you go um, from this podcast, um, I know that you mentioned that you were actually starting something very exciting on your own. Um, yes. Would you mind sharing with our listeners uh, what that is and how they can follow your progress? Absolutely. So uh, my co, uh, I don't even know what should be called, my counterpart and myself, we have an ongoing dialogue about all things respiratory on a daily basis. And she's a tough chick from Northeast Philadelphia, no nonsense. Her name is Denise. And I myself being originally from Southern California, we're going to be talking about all the things that we talk about on a daily basis, from best practices for respiratory, for nursing home uh, readmission management, for high-tech uh, devices to the very simple. So it's from the very complex to the very simple in terms of the respiratory world. Uh, we're going to have guests on. Maybe we can have our uh, our friend Schmuel on with us. Who knows? Sure. And um, administrators, respiratory therapists, nurses, directors of nursing, regional, so on and so forth. So we're really excited about that. We want to help people be able to support these patients in the nursing facility and not have to send them back unnecessarily to the hospital. So we're excited about that. We're, it's going to be called the, the Hey, Can Someone Please Call Respiratory Podcast. So that's it. <laughs> Hey, can someone call a respiratory? Yo, this guy's not breathing. We need some help here. All yes, right, awesome. It. So we're looking forward to seeing that in 
by Apple Podcasts. I'm sure it's going to be all over the place. Um, and that's really, really exciting. First of all, congratulations to you guys starting your own podcast. It might not be as simple as it looks, but yep. it certainly can pay off. And you have a very unique, special message. And I like the banter going back and forth. Yeah, her name's Denise. She is very unique. And um, she's got all the jokes. So tune in. Awesome. So we're really looking forward to it. Um, is, there, is there a URL or they, they'll find it in the podcast directories, I guess? Yeah, it'll be in the podcast directory. Amazing. So they'll be able to find the Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and wherever better podcasts are served. Well, thank you so much for sharing that uh, with us, Eric. And we really look forward to listening to it. And you know what? When when you're ready, I would love to be a guest on your show. And All right. Discuss, you know, and, and, you know, share whatever whatever I can uh, with, with your listeners. Looking thank forward you to so that. much. Appreciate it. Eric is the man. Go check him out. All right. Thank, thank you, Eric, you. again for coming on. I really appreciate it. This podcast, as well as all the other episodes that we've had on the Nursing Home Podcast are available at thenursinghomepodcast.com. And special announcement, um, Amazon Music just started hosting podcasts. It was uh, just last week, Wednesday or Thursday. And yours truly is already there. You can say, hey, Alexa, play the Nursing Home Podcast, and it will automatically play the latest episode of the Nursing Home Podcast. Really cool stuff going on. The goal is to get this information to everyone everywhere who is in this space, meaning nursing home people, so that it should be very easy for everyone to get this information. So you can get it there also. And again, that concludes today's episode. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.